Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is, Do You Really Want to Be Healed? Do You Really Want to Be Healed? John 5, 1 through 15. I went to the doctor a few years ago. I've been since then, but I remember one visit a couple years ago. And they took my blood pressure and he said, your blood pressure is starting to come up. I think I might want to put you on medication, some medicine. And I have a family history and all that. So I said, "Um, well, I'm already on cholesterol medicine. I don't really want to start taking something else. And I know it doesn't make you feel lousy sometimes. So isn't there any way I could avoid taking this medicine? And he was like, oh, little surprise. He said, well, well, yeah, you could lose weight and you could exercise and you could change your diet and cut down on salt, but, but no one ever does that. Why? Uh, so then I said, well, like, give me a try. Give me a chance, you know. Uh, give me six months. He said, I'll give you six months. Come back and then we'll see. And if it's the same, you can have to take the medicine. So I did. I, I lost some weight. And I started exercising more. I used to depend on carrying babies around, but I didn't have babies to carry around anymore. So I, I had to actually start exercising intentionally, better diet, all that stuff. Um, so I came back, and, and there was an intern with him, and he took my blood pressure. I was like, wow. I was like hoping, hoping. You know. He's like, wow, you're okay. You don't have to take the medicine. And he was pleasantly surprised. He's bragging the intern. He goes, this is a success story. Uh, I, this is what I told him. This is what he did. And wow, this is great. He doesn't have to take the medicine. Now, why was the doctor so surprised? Why? Because most people, most of us, I'm including myself, and most of us in USA today don't really want healing. Oh, yes, we do want to get rid of our pain. We want to get rid of our physical, mental, emotional, spiritual pain, but we don't want to change anything in our life to do it, do we? No, we just want to take a pill. <laughs> we want to take a pill, and we all take them, you know, but we, all want, we just want to take a pill. And Jesus deals with this attitude here in our passage today in John chapter 5. Now, we've, we're, actually been in Mark, we're actually in Mark chapter 8. We're working through the book of Mark. And we saw in Mark chapter 8 that Jesus healed a blind man, and it was a process. We talked about our, how our healing is often a process. That our salvation, our healing, our sanctification is often a process. If you weren't here, get the CD or go on the podcast, catch up, because it all flows together. And next week, we're going to look at another process, healing. Another process, healing, how Jesus uses a process to heal someone physically and spiritually, to bring them to salvation. Can you find it? I'll give you a hint. There's spit involved again, saliva again. So that should make, narrow it down for you. We're going to focus on that because they're all kind of they're all kind of piggyback together on the Mark 8 healing, okay? But today, we're not going to be in Mark 8. We're jumping to another one. I want to focus on another piggyback healing. Oh, another key that we discussed last week with the healing from uh, Mark chapter 5 is kind of brought out in John chapter, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 8, uh, is brought out in John chapter 5, and how some healings, some healings take time. We talked about that, but we also talked about how some healings take overtime. 
They take longer than they should because of us. We often hinder God's healing, spiritual, emotional, physical, mental healing. We hinder his healing in our life because we won't surrender something in our life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship today. We thank you for bringing each one of us here today. We know we're here for a reason. Your Holy Spirit is something he's pulled us here for and wants to do in our life. I ask for your mercy and grace to share your word and for each of us to hear your word. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, John chapter 5. What's, what's, I'm going to read the whole passage first of all. John 5, 1 to 15, where he says, Sometime later Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep's Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda and which is surrounded by five covered colonnades. Here a great number of dis disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead of me. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it, it is the Sabbath, the law forbids you to carry your mat. But he replied, the man who made me well said to me, pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, who is this fellow who told you to pick up and walk? The man who, had, the man who was healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Now notice something here when, when this is something I want to start off with. When this man was healed, some people didn't like it. And when Jesus heals us, there's going to be people that don't like it. They don't like the change. Even if it's a good for the good, they're not going to like it when we change. But the people here who didn't like it were, uh, John calls the Jews. Now when you see the word Jew there, um, he's not talking about the Jewish people. Whenever you see that term, the Jews, he's talking about the Jewish religious leaders. That was a title that the gospel writers would use would you use for the religious leaders? And I say that because a lot of people use this in a, for anti-Semitism. See the Jews, the Jews, the Jews. You know, they killed Jesus. The Jews did this. The Jews did that. They gave Jesus our time. Jesus was a Jew. John, who wrote the book, was a Jew. The man who was healed was a Jew. This is not against the Jews. The term Jew here is used as religious leaders. That's very, very important to keep in mind, okay? And we're, uh, that, that it's been twisted by a lot of people who are really anti-Semitic. The Jews, even when they said the Jews crucified Jesus, the Jewish people did not crucify Jesus. It was the Jewish leaders who teamed up with the Gentile leaders that crucified Jesus. And I just think that's really important to keep reminding us in this day with all the anti-Semitism going on. And, uh, and really, though, they didn't kill Jesus, did they? We killed Jesus. 
Every one of us, our sin put Jesus on the cross. Our sin nailed Jesus to the cross. And it's very, very important to remember. But we're going to talk about the resistance that we get when we're healed next week when we look at the mystery passage. You're supposed to be finding that out, okay? So let's pick it up with verses 1 to 5 again. We'll start off with a, in sections. Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for a feast of the Jews. Now there is in Jerusalem near the Sheep Gate a pool which in Aramaic is called Bethesda in which is surrounded by five colored colonnades. I'm sorry, five covered colonnades. Here a new, new glasses, new glasses. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was one who was there had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? When I went to Israel, and some of, some of you have been to Israel, did you see the pool? I remember seeing this pool that's way down. You're, you're up high and about 40 feet down. You can see it down where they excavated and, and found this pool. Very, very touching moment. I remember on the tour seeing this. They actually uh, have also uncovered the five pillars. They've actually uncovered those. Archaeologists have found it. They're finding the whole thing. It's right near the sheep's gate there. Sheep gate. I keep calling it sheep's gate. Uh, sheep gate. Why... Why are they lying around this pool? Why? To find that answer, you have to look at verse 4 in your Bible. What does verse 4 say? It's not there, is it? <laughs> because verse 4 was a later edition. Someone wanted to explain why they were all around the pool waiting to get in. And so a later, a later person, the, the early manuscripts of the New Testament don't have verse 4. They don't have verse 3b, the second part of verse 3 and verse 4. They don't have it. But a later person wanted to explain it a little better, and so they added it. We know they can tell what was added what wasn't. So that's why it's not in your Bible, because it wasn't really in the original writing of, of John. It wasn't the inspired word. Someone added it. But let me just read it to you, because it's interesting. Down at the bottom of your Bible, if you just got one down at the bottom, it shows what was taken away. It says, some less uh, important manuscripts end with paralyzed, and then it adds this. And they waited for the moving of the waters. From time to time, an angel of the Lord would come down and stir up the waters. The first one into the pool after each such disturbance would be cured of whatever disease he had. That was what was added later. Okay? So... An angel would come and stir the water, and the first one in got healed. Is it true? Well, we don't know because it's not in the Bible. But that was a superstition of the day. That was something that people believed at this time. We don't really know if it was true or not. It may have just, just been a superstition, just like people going to shrines today and getting that water from a certain shrine. and It's the same superstitious kind of a thing, okay? The, question, the thing we have to look at, though, is Jesus' question here. He says there in verse 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, do you want to get well? Why would Jesus ask that question? And it's obviously a very important question or it wouldn't be recorded by John here, right? This is a key, whatever, there's, there's nothing in the Bible by accident. The Holy Spirit led John to record this because it's important. There's a, there's a point that Jesus is making. Why wouldn't he want to get well? Well, he's a beggar, and what do beggars get a lot of? Money for nothing, right? They just sit there and they ask for money, and, and, and so he's getting, he doesn't have to work, he's getting this money, and sometimes, you know, our sickness pays off. With someone who wants, not everybody wants to be a beggar, obviously. Uh, you know, Kathy down in New York City works with people, and they're, and they're getting them off the street. They don't want to be, but some people are professional. 
beggars, right? And they, they work the crowds and they want to get the money. And, and even some people who, who could probably get off the street don't want to. Some, most do, but some don't. And maybe this, this guy knew it would cost him too much to let go of this. Just like some people today. They don't want to let go of their disability because they wouldn't collect disability anymore. Not talking about people that really need it. But some people don't want to let go of it because it, they're pro they get something for that. Or, or if we, we don't want to give up something because even though it's, it's hindering us, we make money off of it somehow. You know what I'm talking about. Or, or maybe we want to hang on to our sickness, our physical emotional sickness or perceived struggles that we have, may we hang on to them for attention. Or we do it to control people. Or we do it to manipulate other people to get attention. Or we do it because it's our identity. That's all we kind of know, right? And we're all part of this, aren't we? Or maybe Jesus asked this question because he knew that the man had given up. After 38 years, he had lost hope. He had lost faith that he could get well. Maybe it, wasn't those, maybe it was because, maybe it was both of those things, and a third thing, because he liked his sin. He liked his sin. Verse 14. We read it already. Look at verse 14. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. This sickness was a result of sin. Not every sickness is a result of sin, but this one was. In fact, when you find your mystery passage for next week, you'll see it starts off talking about how now all sickness is a result of sin. Hint, hint, okay? So, often though, it's easy to see sin's connection to physical, emotional, mental damage, isn't it? Spiritual, too. It's easy to see it. Alcoholism, you can connect the dots, very easy. Drugs, connect the dots. Sexual sin, you can see it. Uh, smoking, you can see what it does to, 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 our, to us when we do that. And Jesus wanted to see if he was ready to give up not just the sickness, but what was causing the sickness. But look what the man says. Very, very interesting response. Sir, verse 7, Sir, the invalid replied, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else gets, goes down ahead of me. What was Jesus' question? Did he ask him, why don't you get into the pool? <laughs> no, he said, do you want to get well? But the man answered a different question. Why he couldn't get in the pool? He didn't answer Jesus' question. Jesus didn't ask that question. So what was the man doing? He was making an excuse. An excuse for why he couldn't get well. We are great at making excuses, aren't we? <laughs> We're a nation of victims. We have victim mentality written all over us. That's what we are. Even, you notice when everybody gets caught, just read the paper. I, I, when you read the paper or the news and, and you see someone gets caught for doing something or they get something bad happens, what do they always do? They make an excuse and they come, it's amazing what their defense lawyers come up with, these new syndromes that you've never heard of. Why they stole this or why they killed this person or why they took drugs or whatever. They come up with all these new syndromes, these psychological terms to explain it away. Because we're all victims. We're victims. And Jesus is asking us, USA Today, he's asking us, do we want to get well? Do you want to get well physically, mentally, 
emotionally and especially spiritually. And so often we make excuses, don't we? We, look at, we don't want to lose friends. We, we, our bitterness and our hate is justified. I'm justified with this bitterness and hate because someone really did something bad to me. Or, or I've been born this way. You made me like this, God. I've been born this way. Or we blame our parents. It's because I have dysfunctional parents and, and, a, and a dysfunctional family. Well, that may be true. We all are from a dysfunctional family. In fact, uh, read Genesis, you know, one, two, three there. You know, it, it started at the very beginning. There's no such thing as a non-dysfunctional family. It's called a sinful family, right? We all are. But that's not what God is asking. He's asking, do you want to get well? Or we say the temptation is too strong. Excuse? The temptation is too strong. I can't do this. That's right. But God can. But God can. We make these excuses. And let's look at the cure here, because this is the key to the, all of our excuses. Verses 8 and 9. Then Jesus said to him, get up, pick up your mat and walk. At once the man was cured, he picked up his mat and walked. Two parts to this cure. The first part is he got up. He put his faith in what Jesus said. He put his faith in the words of Jesus Christ. That's the key. And that's a picture of our salvation. If you want to be saved, if you want to be cured spiritually, if you want the sin washed away, if you want to have a relationship with God the Father, if you want to live for, for real now and forever with God someday, we need to be spiritually cured. And we do that by putting our faith in Jesus Christ, that he died on the cross for us, that he rose again for us, that he, that he will save us if we will turn to him and put our faith and trust and hope in him. We have to put our faith in what Jesus said. And that's the first step for us. When we put our faith in what Jesus has said to us. John 3, back up a couple of uh, chapters here. In John 3, 3, Jesus says, In reply, Jesus declared, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. Born again. How are we born again? John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. We have to believe in him. Now, the word believe in the Greek is not intellectual. It's a heart belief. It's a lot deeper. It means to cling to, to put your hope in, to totally cling to, to totally depend on. That's what the word means. And that's what we have to do. We have to put our faith in Jesus Christ. Our totally depend on him to wash away our sin, give us that new life. And there's a warning, uh, same chapter, there's a warning. We often leave this out. Verse 36, whoever believes in the Son has eternal life, but whoever rejects the Son will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. Later on in John 6, 47, he says it again, I tell you the truth, he who believes has everlasting life life. Have you ever believed? Have you ever put your faith in what Jesus has said? You can do that right now. You can do that right here. You can be healed spiritually now. Part two of the healing is very important too. We got to go down to verse 14 to, to see part two because this isn't the salvation part but I would call this the sanctification 
part. Sanctification is when we become holy. We become like Jesus Christ. That's a lifelong process. But look what he says in verse 14, part two of the healing. Very important. Later Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, see you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. When God saves us, and he heals us, that's not so that we have license and freedom to keep the same behaviors that led to us being separated from God, that led us to having spiritual damage and emotional damage and physical and mental damage in our life. That's not, that's not license for that or freedom to do that. And it's important to take this in part, because this is a two-part healing. It's believing Jesus and then getting rid of the sin. Very, very important. There's a lot of people out there teaching today, well, you can just come to Jesus, God doesn't care. You just live, you put your faith in God and, and you don't have to change anything in your life. And that's a lie. So often we want to get rid of the symptoms, but not the source, right? We don't like the symptoms. We don't like what our sin is doing to us, so we want to get rid of the symptoms, but we don't want to get rid of the, the source. We don't want to get rid of the gluttony. We don't want to get rid of the lust. We don't want to get rid of the TV or the computer if it's pulling us down. We don't want to get rid of the, 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 the unforgiveness in our life. We don't want to get rid of the fear. We don't want to get rid of the worry. We want to hang on to that stuff. We don't want to get rid of the addictions, the sinful addictions. The world calls them diseases. The, the Bible calls them, in Hebrews 12:1, besetting sins. There's no such thing as an addiction in the Bible. It's called a, a besetting sin. It's not a disease. It's a decision. We open a door. We, 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 get, we open a door and the, the, the sin takes over our life. And it's called an addiction. It's called a, a, the world calls it addiction. The Bible, Hebrews 12.1, King James Version, besetting sin, sins. Besetting sins. Very important to see that difference there. And we don't want to get rid of that stuff. I remember uh, I had a good friend... We were dealing with some demonic stuff with Christians. Christians can't be possessed, but they can be oppressed, and it doesn't look much different. Let me tell you that. We can't be possessed because the Holy Spirit's still there, but we can be oppressed. We can give the devil a foothold and really deal with us in our life. And uh, my friend was a youth pastor, and he and the pastor got together with this woman who came to them for help, for counsel. She had demonic oppression. And she said, please help me. And so they start to pray for her. And they're trying to you know, get the demon to let go and to leave her life. And, and, she, and the demon finally manifested and said, I don't have to leave. He said, yes, you do. In the name of Jesus Christ, we say you have to leave. He said, no, we don't have to leave. She's hanging on to us. She lets us be here. She's doing X, Y, and Z. They said, what? Yeah, go ahead and ask her. He went back down. The woman's back there. And they said, uh, are you doing X, Y, and Z? She said, yes, I am. So do you understand that that's why the demons are in your life? Well, yeah, I just want to get rid of the demons, though. She said, well, you've <laughs> you got to get rid of uh, X, Y, and Z. And she did, and they pulled the, called the demon and kicked them out, and she was free. There's another guy in the same town I was dealing with. Uh, he came to uh, myself and another Christian man, and we were helping some people get freedom. And he came, and he said, I, I, I've got... He's a Christian because I'm being taken over demonically. I, my life is out of control. I got a problem with pornography and, and strippers. He would he'd go on his business trips and he'd hire strippers and they'd come in and, and do their thing and he'd do his thing and it was, became a demonic stronghold. It was taken, it's taken over his life. Couldn't break it. it was, he knew it was demonic. So we start to, I said, well, why don't you go to your pastor and pray with him? Oh, no, no, it's too embarrassing. 
I don't want my wife to find out about this, and I don't want my pastor to know, and I could never face him again if he knew what I was doing. No, no, I just want, if you guys would just help me get freedom, I'd be good to go. All right, we'll give it a try. So we got together when we prayed for him, and we helped him find freedom. The demons left, he repented, demons left, and he was free, and the demonic oppression had left him, and all the things that came with that. And uh, great, about a month later, he calls us up again. He said, I need you to pray for me again. I just slipped up. I just slipped up. I was on a trip and called the stripper, and I got it all back again. It's even worse. It's worse. All the symptoms, everything's worse. And I go, listen, this isn't drive-by, you know, heal, you know, cleaning here. This is hours and hours, you know. This is hours and brutal, and now it's going to be seven times harder. And I said... Uh, we said to him, we're, we're not going to pray with you again. What do you mean? You're going to leave me like this? I go, no, you're going to go to your wife and you're going to go to your pastor, like you should have the first time we learned a lesson. And you're going to humble yourself before your wife and you're going to humble yourself before your pastor and you're going to tell them the story and they're going to help you find your freedom and they're going to help you keep your freedom by holding you accountable and discipling you. And he had a choice. And he took it. He went to his pastor and he got freedom. He called later, he called us months later and said, you did the right thing, thank you. I'm staying free this time. See, we want to get rid of the symptoms, the damage that Satan is doing in our life, the damage that sin is doing in our life, the damage the world is doing in our life, but we don't want to get rid of the, the source, do we? What's keeping us from receiving our full healing? What do we need to surrender to Jesus Christ today? Maybe you're not a Christian yet, and what you need to surrender is your life to Jesus Christ. It's surrendering your life to him. What's keeping you from coming to Jesus Christ, from surrendering your life? What's blocking you? Maybe that's what he's asking you to, to surrender. Maybe, maybe you are a Christian, but, but what does God want to do in and through us in our life, but we're not ready yet because something is blocking. God wants to accomplish amazing things in our life, but so often there's something in our life that is, that is blocking. Maybe it's a lie. Maybe it's a lie that the world tells constantly. The world tells a lie. It says, I was born this way. And it's not just one issue. It's not, I know you hear that a lot with homosexuality and, and all kinds of different sexual struggles. But it's not just that. It's everything. That's a lie. In fact, there's a popular song. Lady Gaga sings it. But the devil wrote it. The devil wrote it a long time ago. He was already singing in the Garden of Eden, wasn't he? Because it appeals to the world. It appeals to the flesh, that lie, doesn't it? I was born this way. What, what, are, what are we really saying when we, that song, what is that song really saying? I don't care what you say, God. This is the way I want to stay. I'm not going to change. I want to stay this way, whatever that is. Listen, we are all born some way, aren't we? <laughs> whatever our struggle is, we've all been born some way. It's called messed up. It's a spiritual disease. It's called the sin nature. Read the Bible. It's called the sin nature. That's why Jesus Christ said you must be born again. Because we've all been born that way. 
We must be born again. And when that happens, the song and our life changes. I may have been born this way, but I've been born again, and I have the power to change. Right? Amen? Now, I, the CDs are in the back. <laughs> I've changed the title. It's not Born This Way. It's Born Again to Stay. There's no charge for the CD, but if you leave a love offering in the, bo the box, that would be nice. I'm kidding. You don't need the song. You need the word. We don't need that. We need the word. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 11. Tells what a lie that song is. And how the truth is, we've been born again, we have the power to change. In verse 9, it says, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, says, Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were what we all were, weren't we? We could even add to that list, couldn't we? That is what some of you were, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. Justified just as if I never sinned. It, that's what happens the moment you are born again. We've been born again. We have the power to change. How is God speaking to us today? Maybe he wants to heal us physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. But we've been making excuses. Maybe the excuses are running through your head right now. That can't happen. It's too late. We've given up. That would cost me too much. I like my sin. If you like your sin too much, I'm going to give you a picture of sin. I try to remember this. This is very graphic, but it, it just helps me, and I think it will help you. Because when we like sin, it's really hard during that time to understand what sin is doing to us. The Eskimos came up with a way to hunt Polar bears. It's very hard to kill a polar bear. I don't know if you've ever tried it. Especially for an Eskimo before they had guns and all that. And they, even with a gun, it's hard to kill a polar bear. So they came up with a, just an ingenious technique. They took a knife and they dipped it in seal's blood. And then they dip it in blood again. They keep dipping it in blood and it freezes. They dip it in blood, freezes. And pretty soon like, there's this ball of blood on the end of the, seal, on the, end of the knife. Then they bury the knife in the, 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 the ice. So it's locked in there, and they leave it there. And polar bears can smell seal blood from a long ways away, and they come looking for that blood. And they find it. And they can't wait. This is a seal blood Tootsie Pop, right? Wow. And they start to lick that blood, and they're having the time of their life because they love seal's blood, and they're licking that and licking that, enjoying that knife, licking it up, lapping it up. And what they don't realize is all of a sudden, they're no longer eating seal's blood. They're drinking their own blood because their tongue is being slashed by this knife. 
because they've licked all the seal's blood off, and now they're just drinking up their own blood. And they bleed to death right there on the ice. And the Eskimos come along and skin them. That's a picture of sin. If you like your sin, just remember what you're really enjoying. It's killing you. It's a lie. It's a lie. How is God speaking to us? What do we need to give up? Maybe God wants you, today you're here and you're not a Christian yet, and God wants you to receive your ultimate healing, a spiritual healing. Because we're all like this man next to the pool. We are helpless and hopeless. We have no chance. This is a picture of us. This man was near the sheep's, sheep gate. Near the sheep gate. That's where they brought the lamb in to the temple to be sacrificed. They bring him through the sheep gate. Jesus probably walked through that very gate to get to the pool of Beth, Bethesda. He had to walk through that very gate, the sheep gate, to get there. And Bethesda means house of grace. House of grace. Jesus, the Lamb of God, sacrificed himself. The Lamb sacrificed for us so that we could receive the gift of grace. That's what it means, gift. So that we could receive the gift of life. God's grace and gift of life. Life now and forever. That's what Jesus did. This is a picture of what Jesus is doing for every one of us. Let's pray. I have a, as we go to this prayer time, I have a little quote on my phone that I'm looking up because I want to use it during this prayer here. Someone sent it to me this morning. I'm like, I got to use that during the prayer. That's powerful. But first I want to say this. Is Jesus speaking to you today? How, I should say, how is he speaking to us? Maybe you're saying you're not a Christian. You've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. You can do that right now. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right now, you can put your faith in Jesus. If the Holy Spirit's calling you to do that, don't wait. Don't make an excuse. Just do it. Listen to the Holy Spirit's leading and calling and pleading with us. Put your faith in Jesus Christ. Just pray to him right now. Say, God, please forgive me. Forgive my sin. All the wrong I've ever done or ever will do, I ask you to forgive me. I repent of it. I turn away from it. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus died on the cross in my place. He was sacrificed in my place for my sin to take my punishment. I put my faith in Jesus. Forgive me. I put my faith in Jesus. I'm going to follow you. I give you my life. 
If you've prayed that or if you do pray that, you have just been born again. Just like you were born physically, just like we heard a little baby crying, you've been born spiritually. You're a brand new baby in Christ. And your life will never be the, change, the same again. He's going to change you. You now have the power to change. Please let somebody know you've taken that step. Maybe you've come with a friend or family member. You want to tell me on the way out, send me a text, fill out the card in the, the bulletin, put it in the box. Call, email, let somebody know because we're going to be excited but we're also going to encourage you on your new life in Jesus Christ. Maybe we've already put our faith in Christ, but maybe he's asking us if we want to be healed today. Just say yes. Say, God, I want to let go of the excuses. I want to be healed physically, spiritually, emotionally, mentally. But maybe as we're praying that, we need to ask him too, what do I need to surrender so that you can heal me? So that this healing will stick. So that it will be permanent healing. What do I need to surrender in my life for that, God? Maybe we need to ask God to help us discern our pur his purpose for the struggle that we're having, for the pain that we're experiencing, for this trial in our life. God, what is your purpose? What are you using this for to, to move me forward in my faith and to bring me to real healing? Help me persevere through this as you complete your purpose in my life and through this trial. Someone sent me this text this morning. We're all praying. I just want to read it to you. It's by John Freeman. Ministries. Tremendous ministry. And listen to this quote. If you define getting better as never having to struggle, living without wounds, or tiptoeing through life with Jesus, then you're living a pipe dream and you will be perpetually disappointed. But if you define getting better as walking in the light, being transparent with trusted brothers, being teachable, resisting the world, flesh, demonic powers, and realizing that apart from Christ himself, you can do nothing, and that Jesus replied, what is impossible with man is possible with God. If you define getting better as being loved, being forgiven, being freed from the ensnaring power of lies, self-deception, and shallowness, then there is true hope for you. How is the Holy Spirit speaking to us? I want to encourage you to take a few moments of time for prayer here, but also maybe to commit to praying with other people. So often with our healing, our real healing, it takes praying with other people that can discern for us in our, what's going on in our life, that can help us pray for healing, that can help us pray to break strongholds. 
And maybe you, your commitment this morning is, God, I'm going to find someone that I trust that I can pray with. You want to talk to me? You want to talk to Kim? We'll pray with you. Well, maybe it's your home fellowship. Maybe it's a trusted brother or sister in Christ here. Maybe it's the prayer team. You know, they, they meet on Sunday mornings and, and Wednesday nights. They pray for a lot of people, for a lot of different kinds of healing. But I pray that this, this morning would just be the start of a lot of prayer for healing and to see the power of healing in our life in many, many areas. Father, we know your Holy Spirit is speaking. We can all sense him speaking through this powerful passage in John chapter 5. I pray that we would not quench the Spirit or grieve the Spirit in any way, but allow him to move now this morning, today, this week, the rest of our lives, letting him move in a powerful way as we see this salvation and sanctification and healing happening in our lives. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.